Haha. We're back. Matt, we're back. We're back. And we just talked we just talked about this. Yeah. I I, I do, do am I doing an apology to the to our legions of listeners? I mean, I, you I? know, I don't think I don't know if an apology is is required. Um I think it's you, Are you know sure? you know think these things happen and life life occurs and and uh you know life didn't occur I chickened <laughs> out I, I we I uh, too many scary movies in a row broke yeah. broke me Yeah I I get that I had a bad feeling it was we were going down a dark a dark path one too many it was, just, it was one just one too many Yeah and it was yeah so so for the for the folks at home for our legions of of fans and listeners you know who by the way I have to say you know I feel like I know the world is basically a shit show right now, but but I have to say, in the last couple of weeks, I feel like things ticked up a little bit, and I can't help but feel that there was a direct correlation between th- the upticking of chaos in the world and the absence of our podcast. You know what I mean? I f- yes. we are the I, we are the ballast right? that holds the right? world. So I feel like steady, and the people. I think the people the people have spoken and. And we have responded, so we we're back now, and uh, we can to restore yes to restore the balance that this world so needs so needs so dearly right now. Yeah, we were they 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 were like what happened? It just we threw everything into chaos. Well, honestly, well and and uh, well and and those my perspective of it is is that the, what added to the chaos was the fact that we had to watch so many fucking yes, scary yeah, movies was, back to back. It was putting us in a dark it, place. Yeah. Yes, and it took us down this route, and then I just said, "Ah, I'm done," and 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 I bailed completely. <laughs> but but we are here, so everybody, uh, you know, obviously, if anyone was hoping to hear us talk about Poltergeist, that clearly is not happening because I, next it, Halloween, I guess. Yep, yep. <laughs> next Halloween, Poltergeist, or maybe we'll never do Poltergeist, and it'll just be this yeah. ongoing joke that be, that we're next week is Poltergeist. That'll be the lost episode. That will be released yes. after we pass on. We will re- we will release the poltergeist. <laughs> I'm already imagining release the poltergeist episode. The uh, posthumous protests. the posthumous episode. Yeah. Yes. All right. Twelve years after we've gone through 673 <laughs> movies, oh. we 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 missed one, and they finally released the pol- the, the long awaited poltergeist. We're not going to finish the list ever. So <laughs> oh, don't don't be so sure. We 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 can we can I have perseverance. We'll Ask anybody who knows me. I I I'm nothing if not uh persistent. This is true. Um, you did I mean you did persistently torture me as a child, so I'm very aware of well, this persistence. Yeah. <laughs> and it continues. Um so uh what are we on? We so everyone needs to know. We're doing um planes, trains, and automobiles. We're doing the one and only Thanksgiving movie, yeah. or at least the one that is it's co- consistently the most ubiquitous thought of. Uh, Thanksgiving film, I would say, of all time in honor of uh, Thanksgiving, which of course is this week, which I literally, I didn't realize until like yesterday, the Thanksgiving was, this, <laughs> I mean, we're recording this obviously before Thanksgiving, but I didn't realize it was like coming so soon. So, so yeah, so just in time for Thanksgiving, we thought we would break from the the, the, the traumatizing pattern for some of us of of scary movies for something for something a little more heartwarming a little more jovial and fun um which is of course uh describes perfectly this this 1987 holiday classic from john hughes 
from 1987, starring Steve Martin and John Candy. This and a lot of other yes, a lot of other great actors that yep. that have bit parts, not big parts, but but throughout this movie. And and before we get into it, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that John Hughes did this. And what was funny, yes, I know, I know. Wow. Everyone who can't see my brother, he's he made feign, a shocked I, and I feign, bewildered I'm sorry, I face. I I sort of lost consciousness for a moment, but I'm I'm back now. It's Welcome okay. back. Okay, continue. I wasn't aware that it was John Hughes, but what was so funny for me was that the whole time I'm watching the movie, all that's going through my head is God, this is this is just like John Hughes. I, yeah. I, I who who directed this? I this feels like a John Hughes movie. And then at the end, it goes John Hughes, and I'm like, ah, it goes so, directed by, um, written by, produced by, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay, yes, it, okay. So I felt I felt the correct thing. It it wasn't yeah. it wasn't an M Night Shyamalan, sure. although. Although I, I do want to talk about this because M Night is going to come up. Well, I will I'll hold it, but M Night's going to come up in this in this really? uh, episode, or at least I'm making a connection that is going to be maybe unique. But we'll 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 get into it. I'm, but that's interesting. So you said it. Heartwarming, great cast. I want to start on that. Yeah. The the cast, yeah, great. And can you solve something for me, Matt? Yes. Kevin Bacon. Yes. Is he a big actor? He's in this movie for a smidge. Is he a well-known actor? Because Lexi and I were talking about he this. Is, he is the Kevin Bacon rocket is like just taking off at this point. This is 87. Okay. This, well, this is post-Footloose, which I guess that was kind of like... Okay. Because he'd okay. obviously done a couple things before that, Friday the 13th, Animal House. He did Animal House. But then yeah. Footloose, I think, is when we were just like, oh, we can't get enough bacon. We just need need bacon all day. So if this was firmly in within that 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 space. So, yes, I think this was when he was just becoming um, the bacon that we all can't get enough of now. <laughs> um, well, it's, I think he actually, though, he because um, he did a movie with John Hughes called She's Having a Baby. Which is actually one of his only movies I actually haven't seen, but but he did it. I think he did it. Uh, John Hughes did it right after Planes, Trains. So I think that was the connection. I think so. Maybe he was he'd already been cast in that movie, and he was like, "Hey, you're in New York. Why don't you do hey, this well, like little cameo or whatever?" But yeah, I need it's it's, it's, it's yeah, I need a guy to run. Yeah, so it's I think yes, it would have been people. So audiences at the time would have been like, "Hey, that's the kid from Footloose." She's uh, racing right. Steve Martin for a cab on the streets of New York. Yes, yeah, so he was. It was. It would have been. It's. A, it's a noteworthy cameo for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's not like some unknown at this point. It's he's there's there's yeah. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. It would, Bacon. It would have been a. It would have been considered a, a cameo. Yes, I think. Okay. Um, but other than that, obviously you got John Candy and Steve Martin as the as the two leads. But the but um, obviously one of the reasons why I was like this feels so much like John Hughes is because like. The whole cast is basically from. I feel like they're all from Sarah, Ferris Bueller's Day well, Off, or well, right out of the gate, the gentleman who plays Steve Martin's partner in the in the, in the boardroom is Lyman Ward, who played Ferris Bueller's father. Of course. Oh, I'm looking at my first note. My first note. I have to say, can I just say hey, the, the listeners, the dad from Ferris Bueller, listeners at home can't see this, uh, but. Uh, you know, when I do my notes for these episodes, I do them on my laptop because I 
I don't actually <laughs> like if I try to write signing my name cripples my hand like like I can't I just can't do it I hate I hate writing with my hands but Jeffrey just showed me his notes and they are literally written on a, like a yellow legal pad <laughs> legal like, pad I'm I'm I find that I'm touched by that I don't know I'm touched by that kind are of you? commitment I am I'm old school I am. yes you're going old school, I'm old school and I think that's awesome yes I have a f- I have a quill and a <laughs> And a and an ink pot. Wow, and an ink. Uh, <laughs> you so you're really yeah. going old school. Like I mean. Oh well, yeah. I mean <laughs> parchment, parchment paper. I mean, I mean this podcast is nostalgic, but I mean I don't know that we need to go that far. I don't know that might be a. Uh, but hey, I admire. I admire it. But yes, I don't want to search <laughs> through my computer. While I'm watching you, I've got a piece of paper totally. that I can pick up and show You're you. Right. I like the tangible. It's true. I like because I do in I my hands. To, Matt. I have to toggle to other various windows, and then I don't get to look at your face, and it's very sad. But yes, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. And it's so Ferris Bueller's father, it, right out of the gate. But I have to say, I always like in my mind, I kind of imagined that that it was the same character that he is fair because they yes. they're from Chicago because they're in New York, but they're going back to Chicago. He says, "I'll see you in Chicago, John." Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. I was heartbroken to look and remind myself today. That in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, his name is Tom, so he's not he's not Ferris Bueller's dad. But I but I still, frankly, I still don't accept that. I still believe that he is Ferris Bueller's dad. So yeah, like the I, so so yeah. So I mean, for all intents and purposes, that's what you know. That's who we're dealing with. We're dealing. It's Ferris Bueller's dad and Steve Martin, uh, who they're both advertising executives because we never really know what his dad does in Ferris Bueller. He's just a businessman. So he could be an advertising executive, and and he dances. He's got a yeah. He's got he a corner a, office with a yeah. He's got the moves in him. As he shows in the window. Yeah, we don't want to. That's another movie. We're gonna get to. We'll get to that one eventually. But okay. Um. But yeah, you're right. No, there's a lot of great little character actors that pop ben up. Ben Stein. Movie. Ben Stein. Yes, plays the uh, the 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 guy at the airport. Ticket the agent. Ticket agent. Yeah. And out, yes. Absolutely, and then oh, somebody that I was super excited about, which for this is just for you and I, the the uh, son from Mrs. Doubtfire. That's right. Who is, I think one of the Lawrence brothers is, Lawrence. is Steve Martin. Matthew, yes, yeah. little Matthew Lawrence is is Steve Martin's son, who he has one of the one of the classic lines when he asks his mom if one of his uncles who's visiting is going to why he why one of his uncles doesn't give him noogies. And she and she tells him because you get Indian burns, and then he says, "But I prefer oh noogies," which is like <laughs> I feel like that's like a quintessential John Hughes line because there's something so like that feels like the kind of line that I wouldn't be surprised if he told me that if, if he told me because we talk so much no, when John you John and M Knight get get together yeah, for absolutely. for drinks totally uh, okay. if he'd said that like his own son had said that it just felt like and that's one right. of the things that like. Because this is our first John Hughes movie, which is a big deal. Because it certainly won't be the last. Because John Hughes was a huge, you know, a huge voice from our, for our. I mean, I guess not necessarily aimed at our generation. We were a little too young, but we grew up on his movies. I guess is the best way to say. I'm it. gonna make a hot take here oh. that is as I normally do with with no thought. This is coming straight from the top of my brain, out of my mouth. It it may be too hot to handle. Ooh. We'll see. Oh, um, I'm excited. I think John Hughes is kind of like this is such a weird Ooh, we haven't I, even talked about the movie but I'm going okay. it. John Hughes is like the wild stallions of of in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I feel like 
and, and <laughs> go with okay. me here. Go yes, with me here. Right, Hold on. Okay. So they go back. We're talking about a totally different movie, but that's, that's fine. fine. We'll cross, um, we can cross. I'm just so excited not to talk about horror movies. I'm just so excited see, not I, to be talking the glee about on horror. on your face as we started this. I haven't seen this glimmer in your eye for quite some time, so it's nice. It's just so happy not to be talking about <laughs> horror movies. Um, no, Bill and Ted's uh, Bogus Journey, they go off, right? And th- the whole premise is that Bill and Ted save the world through their music. That's like sure. the premise in Excellent Adventure as well as as uh, the whole society is based off of their music, yes. basically. And, and I feel like that feeling that Rufus gives to all of uh, to Bill George and Carter Ted and of like yes of all of the uh, uh, of of the goodness that that is the world because of Bill and Ted's music. I feel like John Hughes provides that like his his vision of what he did. Um, he did Breakfast Club, right? Yes, and he did Ferris Bueller's, and he did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Did Sixteen, 16 candles, candles, maybe? Yes. Or, Weird yeah. science. So, okay, so I just feel like that uh, that set of movies that he did captures a feeling more than anything of what it is to be American and and kind of I don't know. It's 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 a it's a feeling more than anything. I can't articulate it because I I, I don't think it's. Yeah, I know what you're saying. But go ahead. Try to say say it better. Say what I'm trying to say. Tell everybody what I'm trying to say. I don't say think here. I can, but I, d- I get what you're saying in the sense that, like, I mean, I mean, he definitely is, like, a defining voice of the 80s, for sure. I mean, he, like, I think what, what made, what always made John Hughes special, I think, was he was, well, obviously, just first of all, he was hilarious, and just he had an incredible comic sense of how to find humor in just about any situation. But it was the it was the the level of truth that he was able to get at in his writing, in in no matter what it was, whether it was because all the movies we just you just listed are movies he directed, but you have to remember he also wrote like you know National Lampoon's Vacation, the three first three vocation, vacation oh. movies he wrote. Home Alone, the, the two home, first two, actually all three, the first three Home Alone movies, we pretend the third one doesn't exist, but he wrote the Home Alone movies, he wrote um, like The Great Outdoors, and there were like a lot of movies that he didn't, right. uh, I mean, uh, Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful, like there are a lot of movies he, he just wrote but didn't direct, he was one of the most prolific screenwriters right. ever, like I mean truly he, he wrote this movie that we're talking about, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, he wrote it in three days. This is and this was not <laughs> uncommon. This is what like he wrote, uh, same Home Alone. He wrote like over a weekend. I mean, you know, or, and the sequel he probably wrote right. in like two hours. Like so, which some cri- <laughs> right, which some right. critics would probably say. Although I love that movie, but but whatever. <laughs> but but he but he no he was he was he was a genius. Like he was insanely prolific, and but he always was able to find these moments, whether it was through the dialogue or his understanding of character that just, they always felt like people we knew in all of his movies. They were always people that like, I know that guy either, either I am that guy or I know, or that girl or that person. I I am that person or I know that person. And yes, every, it it felt tangible. Yes, absolutely. Something you're like, I relate completely to this because like you just said, 
I know that person. I've experienced exactly what they are. Maybe not in those words, yeah. but the feeling of what is going on right here. I have been there. Yes. And and this movie is that in space. Oh, yeah. Like in every the whole movie is basically that. It's it's everyone has dealt with the travel like fiasco yeah. basically that that in some time you've you've dealt with delays and this didn't work and whatever and then you've also dealt with that annoying uh person you know and everyone is Steve Martin in that in this to me that, I feel like everyone is Steve oh, Martin in this in so, this movie that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was something I thought about is I wonder if because there's no question when I watch it I feel like Steve Martin I don't feel like John Candy yeah. But at the same time, right. but okay, so like, yeah, no, this is this movie is like, because um, I mentioned it earlier, it's one of those ubiquitous movies that I feel like I, I I have a suspicion that if we were somehow able to compile like an actual like an actual list of like for real, if we somehow were able to like you know omnisciently. Like cut through all the data and and assemble a true list of like movies that uh, that the most people have watched and know every word to and quote and and are most beloved. I feel like this movie would probably be on that list. That's my suspicion. I feel like and I would sus- I feel like that would be the case. Well, I I th- yes, and I think and I would suspect that some of the, now that I know that John Hughes wrote the Vacation movies, especially sure. Christmas Vacation. Sure, yeah. I I would. I would argue that 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 one of the, like well hell Christmas Vacation is is up there with people who can quote it all the time. Sure. Partly because it's just it is a traditional thing that you yeah. that you watch, and in the same way planes, trains, and automobiles is is that it is because it is so central to the holiday, yeah. and and it becomes this ritualistic thing that people do. It becomes a part of everyone's existence, their lived experience. It, that is very true, but it's also. There are, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I mean, there aren't a lot of Thanksgiving movies, but there are a lot of like holiday. Don't even know. I know. I, I didn't know a couple. I mean, John Hughes wrote another one called Dutch, which which I feel like we should do as a companion. Oh yeah, piece okay. I've this, no Dutch. Which I yes. also love as well. But but this one is that with Ed O'Neill. Yes, Ed O'Neill. It's yeah. Oh, okay. So okay. Good. But um, yeah. I think the thing about this one is. Because yes, you mentioned Christmas Vacation, another John Hughes, and Home Alone. By the way, another one. You know, both both the mm-hmm. first two. I mean, these are like. I mean, just for myself, I can tell you. Like, I mean, the first Home Alone. At the end of the day, I've pro- I've probably watched that movie more than any other film, just because it's a Christmas movie, and I watch it since I was five years old. Watch that movie right. at least like five or six times every Christmas since that year right like honestly so just by virtue of that i have to have watched that movie probably more than any other film um and there is something right. to be said for that but at the same time there's a lot of like christmas movies and stuff and and not all of them connect in the way that certain things do and i i do think and i agree with you in the sense that it is a traditional thing but i think because i was really thinking about this watching this and thinking of the appeal of this movie and I think there is some there is something to this. There is an emotional component to this movie that is undeniable and it's 100% because of John Candy. I think yes. I think I think John There's a vulnerability. I think John Candy's performance in this movie is like I think it's honestly I think it's one of the great performances. I think it, I think just 
uh, by any stretch of the imagination, whether we're talking comedy movies, I think this this performance is. I mean, it's without question. I mean, it's his defining performance. I mean, some people, you know, Uncle Buck, I know is a beloved. Another John Hughes movie that's beloved, but like, this is is it's what makes. I feel like his performance in this movie is what elevates it to something else because the basic framework of this movie is a a, a premise that's been done to death. The whole you know, odd couple sort of thrown together kind of thing. Right. And what you realize with those movies ultimately, because that is as old as, you know, fucking Abbott and Costello and, and Martin and Lewis and fucking yep. Laurel and Hardy. It goes all the way back to the beginning. So it's not the concept. It's ultimately it comes down to who are the personalities, who are the actors playing these characters that that really defines it. Because the idea is something universal, but what really makes it the creates an impact is who is portraying those people and in this case it's Steve Martin and John Candy and they they both um in this movie understand the assignment so fucking clearly that it's it's absurd i mean they 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 fill these roles so perfectly and in in a lot of ways and and we'll get into it later cuz like cuz um John Candy i think was was not too far off from this character in real life, really, is what generally has been has been said about him, basically. Right. And and so, it's watching him in this film is, I find it to be increasingly, really emotional. Like in a way that a lot of these kind of because like, like I'm not gonna I'll I'll be honest like this kind of movie. <laughs> Is not the kind of movie I usually go for. I I, I don't really right. like the kind of. Oh like, really? Really? Yeah. I I'm I'm aware. The I last know you, month I know ta- taught me. I know. But, okay. But like, but no, it, <laughs> like the like movies that are that are generally feel good kind of movies. I will just I will openly admit they're not the kind of things I usually go for because honestly I think usually they're full of shit and I think they're inauthentic no, and not fair. honest about what it's really like to be a human being. That's just my feeling. But <laughs> but having said that, you're right. They're absolutely that. I mean, <laughs> they're absolutely that's that. That's just usually how I feel. But this one <laughs> is so genuine and so honest and particularly John Candy. I mean, I feel like because certainly there are so many annoying aspects to his character, but <laughs> but the the key to it is how sincere he is and that he's never he's never trying to annoy Steve Martin. Like that's never like right. it's never an intentional thing of like it's just it's just an actor who is so who's so attuned to what this character is that he's like like I, he just he can't help it he can't help himself but he's just right. being himself but he's still at the same time able to find comedically <laughs> what is so annoying right. about this particular moment but he still manages to right. play it as a real person who's not trying to be annoying he just can't help it and I feel like right. it's kind of like similar to to in a way to Bill Murray and What About Bob. It's a similar thing, although that movie that yes. doesn't have the emotional component that John Candy has in this. But it's a similar thing of two actors who are smart enough to see, like I know exactly why this character is annoying. Yes, and I know right. how to play it for maximum comedic effect without without taking away Overdoing without it. taking away from his likability. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I and I think. It, and I agree completely with you. I think John Candy, 
Whereas I think everybody is is watching this movie as if they're Steve Martin. Mm. I think everybody is the 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 heart of this movie is with John Candy, and I feel like what's works so well with these two characters and these two actors is that they both, as you said. John can't you think John Candy is this person, right? Like that he really relates to this person. And I think Steve Martin is that person. Really? Like I think Steve Martin. Yeah, I mean, don't you remember when we were in LA with mom and dad and we met Jean Claude Van Damme? You remember that? Oh. Okay. And the, you I'll probably don't remember this. Remember this? I have literally Sean, I have his no, that, that part. picture is behind me on the wall. I know you can't see I know, it. well, I know you remember that. I'm not saying that. I, you probably don't remember the conversation that the waiter had with us no. about about Steve Martin. Okay, so yes, because Steve Martin was there that night. I don't remember that. I all. remember him I remember him being there that night and the waiter said to dad, "Well, Steve Martin's here, but you don't go up in it and <laughs> right. and talk to Steve Martin when he's eating. He doesn't he doesn't like uh, it." Okay. And then he said, "But Jean-Claude Van Damme's there." And he said, "Yeah, they can go because he'll be fine with it. Okay. And so that's always stuck in my head yeah. for whatever reason, it's, which is not actually Steve Martin. It could not be. But in my brain, I view well, in, Steve Martin in ni- as... In 1996 or seven or whenever it was, I probably was. Yeah, he was... Yeah, yeah I don't know about now, but you're right. I, he seems softer now. But yeah. the... but I mean, he's a, I just, he's he a, plays he's this a father role. at 75, you know, I think so. <laughs> that's true. Yes, yes yeah. So uh, uh, I, I think that... He plays this role so well. The, the 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 stressed out, like exasperated. No one does this better than him. The, the scene. It's a master the, class. The scene, it's a master class. Yes. The scene where are we going to go to it? Scene. Like, I mean, yeah. Let's do it. I know. I, know, I want. I'm going. Through I know it. what you're. I know what you're going to say. Well, there's two scenes. I know you're. You're thinking of the 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 rental car scene <laughs> is because that's the that's the classic. I'm talking about the part where the car blows up and is on <laughs> is on fire. Oh, okay. And he's talking with John Candy, and John Can- he realizes that John Candy used his credit card. Yes. And <laughs> and John Candy goes. He goes, give me it back. And he goes, I can't. Why? Because it's in your wallet. And they both stare. And he goes. You knew it like this, and yeah. then he goes. I thought you gave it. You wanted me to have it, and he goes. Why would I want you to have it? Yeah, and it's just like that kindness. emotion. Yes, yes, kindness. Yeah, that no one does that better. Nobody. There is not an actor out there that plays that, and and obviously we see that in epic proportions again with Father of the Bride with the with the hot dog scene where he just loses it, and that and so. Yeah. I think to your point, which is John Candy's um, John Candy's earnestness mm-hmm. throughout this this whole film, juxtaposed against Steve Martin's just like <laughs> yeah. annoyant, like just pure, like just I just want to get home. Yeah. I just I just leave me alone. That vibe makes the whole movie. But they both of them. You feel both sides when, yeah. like the scene where Steve Martin lays into him in the in yeah. the hotel room, and you watch Candy's face, and then something I realized watching it this time that I didn't before is that before I remember the t- Steve Martin being funny doing this, yeah. Yeah. you know the yak yak yak, you know that that yeah. that part. Yeah. 
this time watching it, it went on like two beats too long to the point where it was like very clear that like you're just you're tearing this guy yeah, out. It, like it feels more much and, more cruel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Much I, that's more a great cruel. point because I feel the same way because I remember watching that when I was younger and just really and the thing is like it is funny. Like Steve Martin is really funny in that scene. And what he's saying, the lines he's saying yes. are brilliant. I mean, he's he's like, Didn't you notice that when when you started talking to me, I started reading the vomit bag? Like I mean right. like yeah. there are some great, really just sincerely funny, brilliant lines in that moment. But like but yeah, it's it's funny too, because I watched it today and like and like i said like i know that i always related more to him and you know because i can be prickly and not a very much of people person but um but watching it today i didn't i found myself not laughing and like but like appreciating how funny it was but it's so funny because that but that scene is like it's simultaneously it's funny and and like what he's saying is like you relate and you go like God I I know what that feels like to be that frustrated with somebody who's annoying you and to unleash like that would be somehow satisfying but then you see the impact it's having on John Candy and you see his face right and you see the hurt the true like hurt that's happening right and it changes the whole scene into something else oh it's a, yeah that scene is kind of amazing and it, but I also love one of my favorite things about it because obviously Steve Martin goes on this like horrible rant against him. And he stands up for himself and says, you know, like, well, you know, you don't like me. That's fine. You know, I'm not changing. I am. I like me, you know, and and uh, and he goes and lays down on the bed. And there's that great moment when Steve Martin looks back and sees John Candy looking at him kind of glaring and then he turns away really quick. It's like that was a great moment because it kind of like deflates it, the tension a little bit. I love that. Right. So there's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're so fantastic together in this movie. Um, and they understand. Did the they character. do another scene? Did they do another movie? Not together? that I know of, but I know for a fact that both of them have said, had said this is their favorite movie they ever did. Like both of them in- individually have said, "We're like this is the yeah, this is my favorite movie I, I did." Like they, so they oh very proud of it and deservedly so because it truly is a classic. I mean, I mean, but yeah, I, that I mean, I know we kind of mentioned it, but I mean, we and we haven't really gone into a synopsis, but. I feel like this is one of those movies. I don't think it's necessary. It's just like we just launch into like, you know, talking about Everybody it. knows Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. If you don't know it, go watch it. I'm not yeah, doing a, everybody who has watched it a disservice of of, of recapping it. Yeah, I mean, I think that my favorite scene this time, and I think it shifts. I think, you know, th- this is one of those movies that there are so many great scenes in it that you can... I feel like each time I watch it, I appreciate one kind of uniquely more than I did the first time I watched it or the last time I watched it. Mm -hmm. This time, the scene that just made me just laugh hysterically was the the car on fire scene. Just the, the, the physical comedy of some of that where they're, they both sit down on the trunk (laughs) and they both turn around each in their own turn to look at this, this car on fire and nobody reacts like the way you would think you would react they just kind of turn back as if well of course the car would be on fire because what else would be you know you know happen on this trip and um but you know so i i that was my favorite scene this time i i want to get to the m night Shyamalan because i'm gonna it may be a deeper discussion i don't know i want to say what i wrote down what i wrote down is that um 
there's a big reveal in this movie. Much That's like true. Much like yes. M- much like Sixth Sense. The whole movie is shot where they try to hold back the fact that he's homeless and that he doesn't spoiler alert. Um they 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 hide that. His wa- I mean I, it, his wife I don't, is, has, is dead. And that his wife is yeah. dead. And like well, and his wife's dead, so there, there's there's the death thing too yeah. in M Night. I didn't make that connection. But, and his wife, I love the way he's and his wife's my, dead. Isn't that great? And his wife's dead. Hey, <laughs> isn't that fantastic, guys? Um, feel good movie. Again, I'm just so happy. It's not a horror flick, man. Everything's making me happy. Um, <laughs> this is the type of death I can talk about. Um, uh, uh, no, but so I, I wrote it. I'm like. Because what I, the reason why I wrote it in the first part is what I found myself doing watching this movie mm. was trying to pick up the subtle hints that he's homeless while I'm watching it because now I know. Mm. And in, in the same way that I was doing it in Sixth Sense where I was trying, I was watching how they shot Bruce Willis to see how, you know, what mm. did they do to kind of hide it. This is not as much of a like let's hide it type of thing but but i still feel like it was an interesting thing where it's like at the end of the movie there's this big reveal of like oh he's he's actually homeless yeah no that's a good point it it definitely is and it is surprising you don't see it coming but at the same time it's i like it that it wasn't unlike sixth sense it's not a movie that's designed to like have clues or anything it's just like like He's like Dell is John Candy's character is the same from the first frame as he is to the end, and there's yep. never anything done to like indicate whether or not you know he, what his actual situation is. It's just something that when we find out, we're like, oh well. It just makes you like, it, like you are like it's um, yeah, it's a really powerful moment because you're already like by the end of that by that point you already love him like you're, you and, and right. when you find that out. It's just it's so heartbreaking and so like and it really. And it is even even the like incredibly cheesy '80s score in this movie at at times. <laughs> actually, it, despite it, it is actually very moving. I'm not gonna lie; like oh, I've watched on. this movie every year of my life. Matt, I live in cheesy. Okay, but this was this I will, is, this I'm gonna is admit my something. type. I'm like, I'm, give it to me. I'm, I'm trying to make an, a confession here. This is the first time this movie made me cry. The end of this movie, I cried. I never this. I always loved it, and I always was very touched. This was the first time I watched it, and I I cried. I sat on my couch this afternoon watching this movie, and I cried. <laughs> it was yeah, and and it really, it's really, it's one of those movies that just it does both things. It it entertains you and makes you laugh, yeah. and it makes you feel something. And movies that can do that without feeling manipulative and out without feeling yes. like um like cloying or like or like they're trying too hard are a really special thing and i think that speaks to the impact of this movie you know because it's i don't think this movie went out to try to make people cry i think that's yeah. that's i think what you're getting at is that certain movies you can tell it's they're going for the tear jerk yes. jerk moment yes. and you're like fuck off yeah. i'm just stop with this i don't need it yeah. this i don't feel like at the end of it, I think John Hughes is okay if you cry or not cry. Yeah. Like he doesn't really he's not going for the cry. It's yeah. just such a moving moment yeah. that you may cry well, in those in those instances. Yeah, absolutely. I think he he emphasizes the truth and the the reality of the characters 
over trying to manipulate you into feeling a certain way about them. Correct. Like, and I think that's why, in the end, he earns it because it's like there have been so many yeah. moments where you just feel like, oh, like the characters are portrayed so um, authentically from the from the beginning, and the trajectory makes so much sense of how you know. And I and I like the fact that like because there's that moment at the end when. When Steve Martin says, you know, like uh, when they're finally saying goodbye and he says, you know, and, and, I, and I learned a lot and, you know, you know, in our experience and John Candy says me too. And I actually believe him. Like, I, I believe that they both kind of got something out of the experience, which is it's not. So it's right. not just like Steve Martin goes from being like a Scrooge to a nice guy. Right. It's like they right. actually both kind of got something out of the experience. And maybe John Candy's character took something from his experiences with Steve Martin and it's like it, it so it really feels like it's it's it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's you know a message or an agenda about the characters being shoved down your right. throat it just feels very organic and truthful you know yeah and i agree and i i want to um i want to go back to something you said which is um that by the end of the movie when they're standing on the train tracks um and you find out you're kind of uh you're all in on candy, right? Like you're you're you you love him at that point. Yeah. I think this is another point that that goes to why everyone views themselves as Steve Martin, mm. because I think I think that's how Steve Martin. I mean, like what you're feeling is what Steve Martin feels, which is overly annoyed with this character at the beginning. He's funny. We we get to see him as funny because we're not living it. That's right. but 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 we recognize how annoying he is right. at the beginning, but then. As he goes, you find him to be more and more endearing, and then by the end of it, you're just in love. You're in the same position that Steve Martin is, which is you f- you've found him just to be genuine and and real, and and you're okay with the the annoying stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the scene that that where that shift happens is somewhere between when he's driving and playing the mythical piano yeah. to Ray Charles. Yeah. Okay, that. Ver- or when they're both in the uh, hotel room drinking yeah. the little, uh, the it's one of those scenes yeah. is where he stops becoming annoying and he starts becoming someone you just really kind of enjoy because he's himself. Yeah, yeah, that to me at least, yeah, I, I definitely you know that's where the shift happens because it's after the 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 the, the car fire and they get to the hotel and, and John Candy can't afford to. Uh, to get a room because he doesn't. Which, by the way, the 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 proprietor of that hotel. Did you know who that was? You recognize him? That was uh yeah. He's uh, Martin um, Ferrero who uh, played the unfortunate yeah. lawyer from Jurassic Park. Yes, <laughs> he he's Gerard. He's he's yes. Gennaro, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Gennaro, yeah. He, he's, he had a little he's, he's, a little cameo, but uh, but yeah. So like when John Candy's you know sitting out there. Auto auto. What's that? Auto erotica. Auto erotica. 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 And yeah, and so and and John Candy has to stay out in the cold, but he's not like, and he's sitting out there just kind of bemoaning himself and like talking to, and it makes it more poignant knowing the truth that he's talking to his wife. But of course, we know she, right? He's like talking to her, you know, ghost essentially, and you know, right, and, and kind of just being down on himself. And that's when Steve Martin sees him, and I think really like finally sees the the humanity of him and just goes like, "What am I doing? Right. Like, get in here!" And it, and that's yeah. And right. then over the course of that night, that's when they finally kind of become friends. And um, yep. But it's but yeah, it's it is it's a great. I love the way Steve Martin plays that. It's a really great arc and trajectory that always that feels. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel 
Um, despite all the things that happen in the plot, it doesn't feel like contrived or whatever. It 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 right. feels natural and and I mean, yeah, it just it's a it's just a great movie. Once again, this is one of those I had very few notes watching it. Like, oh yeah, like, I have one page. Yeah, I just and I forced it. Yeah, I was just like, I think the only thing I, I mean, we haven't really talked about the the car rental scene yet. Which is well. Can we before we go to yeah. that? There's one more scene that, there that 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 we've talked about in previous um, or a similar scene that we've talked about mm. uh, during House Guest mm. when Sinbad goes through and has to explain his his emblem. Yes. We have a similar scene in this one where John Candy is riffing about selling the shower rings shower as earrings rings, yeah. in shower curtain rings in in uh, as earrings, and it's just. <laughs> It's another example of, and they do this with, when you have a, I feel like directors should use this every single time. If you've got a comedian who is just really great at improvising, they all tend to do this, and it's it's always a hit. This kind of fast, like, them just firing off all these different jokes, left, right, and center, and it was just, I think it's it's the highlight uh, comedically for me. I don't know about comedically, but it's it it shows the 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 comedic chops of John Candy, oh, yeah. where he's just sitting there, just it shows how you quick, know selling how it. quick and kind of light on his feet, despite appearances that he he was comedically because yeah. he was he <laughs> yes. was like super yeah. super quick and like yeah and just like so naturally charismatic and you just bought him as that character so completely yeah. it was just like I. Oh, it's it's just perfect cheesy salesman, man. That that oh, he does all the sales he could, tricks. Like, oh, he legitimately just, made me think like he could sell shower curtain rings to me. I would buy shower. Which, well, by the way, did you notice there was a little no- detail I noticed this time watching it that when because in the beginning when when Steve Martin is chasing Kevin Bacon to get a cab, he finally gets to one and he gets into this bargaining with this smarmy attorney to buy the cab. Yes, and while they're they're engaged in that, John Candy ends up stealing the cab from him. And right. there's a moment when they, when the cab drives away, Steve Martin looks, and there's just like an empty like puddle where the cab was. There's a shower curtain ring floating in the puddle. Oh, is there? I never noticed that until this time <laughs> watching. It's pretty great. Oh, that's yeah, great. Like little, that's little a great little... Uh, yeah, that, yes, that's, that's fantastic. You know, I think this movie made me kind of go, this one, this movie and Ferris Bueller, I think, are both really good examples more than any of his other films, of what a great director John Hughes was. Because that's not something he's generally thought of. More people think of his writing, which is obviously amazing. But his direction in this and Ferris Bueller, too, is so so great. And so, like, there's a clarity to to how he directs. There's, you, you, like... You always know, like that chase scene with Kevin Bacon and Steve Martin is is done so simply and so well. You always know geographically where everyone is. There's a real like, he has a really good visual sense, in in he shows a really strong right. like vi- uh, vision in 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 how he directed this movie, and Ferris Bueller. There's like, and also the editing. I think is his work. His, his use of editing is so good, and um and yeah, I don't. I think this one. He really shows what a good director he was, and I don't know if 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 um, I think this is probably his greatest movie. I think as a director, I would say I think is this one. I think it's just. I mean, certainly, I mean, Breakfast Club is iconic, you know, and the the writing of it and everything. But I think this one is just like it's the perfect balance of the funny and the emotional, and it's like it and it never and it never kind of. Uh, cheats on either end it's just like it's equally as funny right. and truthful as it is emotional and honest and 
I yeah, this is a it's a it's a just a great fucking movie. This is like yes, truly a great. Film. Another thing that pops into my head is that I felt was watching it is it's it's it, this. I know this isn't the only movie because this happens in a lot of other movies, but I, I just was thinking about it when we watched it. Is the time capsule esque of nature of it with with no cell phones, right? And because one of the things that happens like every, throughout the movie is a scene is each everywhere they are, Steve Morton has to find a phone to <laughs> to call his wife and and let them know what's going on, which which is so crazy. And then by the end of it. He's gone like three days or something without communicating with his wife, and his wife is, you know, like, and so, which makes the scene at the end much more poignant because it's like he shows up. Although he rings the doorbell, which I, I didn't really understand. Like he, I guess, he gets to his own home and rings the doorbell. I, I guess yeah, it's for I, dramatic want, effect. Yeah, I guess but, he wanted to make a dramatic entrance. I guess is the thing. Which, by the way, yeah, I, I guess. They, can we can we can we mention that they live in the Home Alone house? Like that's <laughs> well. Hold on. Not only do they really, I, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I didn't notice that. Is is that the Home Alone house? I, 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 it did, looks like I didn't it, look but... up confirmation, but I'm I'm 99 percent sure that's the Home Alone house. Okay, because what I wrote down was not anything about the house. Was that I thought the street they walked up is the same street from Rain Man? Is what it felt like to me. You oh, know where? Oh, when they're leaving Tom Cruise, the, the hospital. When they're walking, no, yeah. When they're walking down that long stretch of right. road oh. with the trees, <laughs> like he, they're walking up this with with the thing, yeah. and I'm like, this looks like exactly the same. But maybe it's <laughs> I just didn't a, make that a road. But anyways, I didn't verify that either. So listeners, yeah. two unverified points yeah, to consider: totally. the Home Alone that's, House and Rain Man Road. That's how, so. that's how we did the Home Alone House and Rain Man Road. Uh, that's how. <laughs> yeah. Rain Man that's Road. How we do that's it. what we're doing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, yeah. I don't have anything else on this. I, I mean, I, oh, we got to talk about the 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 the, the infamous yes. classic. The, re, the rental reason, car scene. The only reason this movie's rated R is this one scene <laughs> where the word "fuck" yes. is said. I don't know how many times, but um, yeah, this is. I mean, it's a classic. I still, to this day, watching it, it doesn't lose. Like it, it was one of those few scenes that never gets any less funny, ever, and it will always be. One of the funniest. It is one of the the greatest expressions of frustration, <laughs> cinematically. I think ever ever done. I think it is something that I think everyone can relate to, and I think I, I would put it there with the hot dog buns and in, in in. But again, it's a Steve Martin thing. But I, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, it's. I don't. It's that one's a little more exasperation. This is more like just anger oh, yeah. and frustration. It, it, it's but. just. It's just amazing. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than it's amazing. And I love, of course, the actress who plays the ticket agent is uh, Edie McClurg, who's a great character actress. Yeah. And of course, she was in Ferris Bueller. She played Principal Rooney's, you know, assistant. Yes, and she's so she's yes. so amazing. And apparently, she improvised everything like that phone conversation she's having when he walks up to the stage. John Hughes just told her to <laughs> improvise something, and she was just like, so she was making all that up, all that like gobble like, well, gobble. I don't know how to cook. Gobble like, gobble. Like you know, like I'll make I'll make the casserole and you make the you know the cranberry sauce or whatever. And then and she's <laughs> like, yeah, gobble gobble. Like just it's so just trying just being as annoying as humanly possible to Steve Martin. The in that female moment. John Candy. And she says, and of course she has 
her final line in it when she says, you're fucked, yes. is one of the great, like, scene oh. cappers ever. And apparently she yeah. said, like, to this day, people still come up to her and, and ask her to, to, to tell them they're fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> she is just like, it's a classic. So It's just a, fu- it's just a classic sh- fucking scene. That's just, it's just one of the funniest scenes ever. And I think the character, the, the thing that makes it so funny is that she is like, the character is like the female John Candy. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a like, good point, yeah. It, yeah. It is like Steve Martin has gotten rid of John Candy, doesn't have his car, and walks up to a lady who's just who is just is the is just like it is exactly like John Candy is in this There's whole no escape. There's like no this. escape for him. Right. And he's just like he's just like, I'm gonna let you have it. Like here it comes. And then and then uh, at the end, you know, it's her just going, Oh, oh boy. You're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, it's just it's just perfectly Another time capsule moment though. Yeah. Another time capsule moment because I'm I, I remember looking at it like, how the fuck is he fucked? Don't you have a side to the reservation? Why does he have to have a rental ticket? Yeah. Not to mention I was like, he has the keys to the car. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where's yeah. the keys? It was a yeah, it was a different time. You yeah. Man. Yeah, it's it's so amazing. I really do love to me, I feel like going with the, the whole theme of like we all feel like Steve Martin or the kind of the, the scene to me that really solidifies the difference between their characters. And it's something that I personally relate to for, in terms of like feeling like the Steve Martin characters, the scene on the bus when they're all singing and 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 Del, oh, John yes. Candy's yeah. leading everybody and singing these very songs yes. everybody knows and like he's like totally like, yes. like a, qu- like a qu- choir yes. master on this bus just like, you know. And and he goes like to Neil to Steve Martin like hey you you sing a song and, and he's like no 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 come on and he's like oh okay and he starts singing like three coins in the fountain or something that nobody knows and everybody looks at him like he's a three like, coins like, in the like he's a yes. fucking psychopath and then John Candy yeah. immediately launches into the Flintstones theme and everybody is starts singing and they all know the words and Steve Martin just it, like that moment I have to say I I. That's how I feel around people all the time. Just that, like, I, like, and that's what se- I feel like what separates me from everyone uh. else, that John Candy, he knows, oh, yeah, I'll just sing this song. Everyone knows the words. I know how to instantly connect with people. And Steve Martin, he tries, right. but he just can't quite do it. And it's so, like, that moment hits me hard every time I watch him. Like, that is a defining moment in that movie between, like, the difference between those two guys, I feel like. Right. Well, that the other part of that scene that I think is uh, I think everyone can relate to is the well I don't know this is going to sound really odd so again I need to think about how I phrase things before I launch into things but it's the it's the part where the 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 couple is 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 making out uh, or presumably doing more than make out you know well, it's yeah. what they're insinuating <laughs> they have a postcoital smoke um, <laughs> yes uh, yes right so I'm like but my point is John Candy points it out right. Is like forcing Neil to 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 look or Neil um, Steve Martin. What's what's it? Steve Martin? Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> forcing Steve Martin to look at yeah. it. So then Steve Martin starts looking at it, and, and then he's the one who gets in gets trouble. Busted, yeah. Which <laughs> that is a that that to me is something like with um is kind of like uh, a movie that is incredibly funny that I hate. It drives me nuts. <laughs> is uh, Meet the Parents oh, yeah. with Ben Stiller and, and <laughs> yeah. because the whole movie is that is yeah. him. Is that yeah. and I, and it I I'm just like oh that drives me nuts and so I like that one is hard for me to find funny yeah because I feel so like I'm like 
that it's not his fault. Like, you can't, <laughs> yes. like, so that, that part I like related to completely. Like yeah. somebody points something out. You happen to look, you're not the one like trying to, you're trying to mind your own business, but then you're the one who gets called out as if the, you're yeah. the, the pervert watching <laughs> and you're like, I, ah, I, I know. you know, and he's just like, and then he starts laughing like, Oh, busted. Yeah. And I'm like, I know, it's, it's another one of those kind of very, annoying and it's things. very interesting the those two characters because it's like they they like complement each other so well like because on the one hand Steve Martin is seemingly very successful and very put together and very you know but 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 can't like can't relate to to people whereas John Candy is right. like homeless and like kind of struggling but but he just can connect with anyone in any situation and like i feel like that kind of dichotomy is really interesting well that yeah and the fact that steve martin not only is he put together but he seems to be somebody who who by all outward um visible measures in terms of his clothes his job everything has everything under control but you get into this scenario Mm. And now he's the one who can't get anything done. Yeah. And yet, Dell, John Candy's character, is the one figuring out everything. Mm-hmm. Like every time something f- goes completely awry, which this goes to if you're homeless, you've learned, sure. I presume, having never been homeless, but I would imagine that if you're having to constantly figure out shit all the time, yeah. you would know all these little different things to try to, you know, like when the, when the, when the flight gets redirected, he he calls the hotel first because he knows that this is going to be a problem. And then, so that you know, once he's there, it's like then they get on the train, and when the train goes down, he's the one that finds. Uh, I can't remember what the next thing that they do is. Um, the they don't rent the car the milk truck, or is this the milk truck? What milk truck? This is earlier. The train they get off the, the train breaks down. And then they get on a bus. Yeah, yeah. He's the, the one bu- who yes, gets the, the bus. bus yeah, it's you know it's so funny we mentioned this because if you go just for anybody curious, if you go on Wikipedia, there someone made. Oh, do they have his route? Yeah, someone made like a rubric, oh. like, like a like a map of the route that they take. So there's like there's the intended. There, I would love there's the intended route, but then there's they have different lines for all the different modes of transportations, like. There's the train, the bus, the rental car, and the milk truck. All the different ways they take to finally Matt, get home. Next Thanksgiving, next Thanksgiving, you and I are doing the route. <laughs> oh God! On this podcast, we are we are gonna we are gonna re we are gonna watch this and we are gonna redo. We are gonna do the route. Of, using of the planes, same trains, modes and of transportation, so we're gonna have to exactly have to get on a plane. Well, I yeah, and I, like, <laughs> but we're, but we're, then we're gonna have to t- we're gonna have to get in the back of a truck with a bunch of chickens, and then we're gonna have to get a rental car, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to burn it, and then we're gonna have to burn <laughs> and it. And then we have to ride in a milk truck. Hey, the end of, yeah, for 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 for, <laughs> for this podcast, for, we are willing for podcast integrity. Yes, for the for the the integrity of of recreation. Absolutely. We must do this. No, but at the very least, sans the 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 blowing up thing, <laughs> we should we should do that. We should fly for, to to Wichita oh, and then get on a train somewhere and then get on a I bus somewhere. This is going to be awful. I, this is going to be awful for you, but it's like be great. Truly, we can just. I need to. I have not been. I honestly, and watching this movie made me think that I have not been on a plane since <laughs> Bill Clinton was president. 
Like, honestly, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. I believe you, but and just, your, your choice of how to tie, how to date it. I, I'm well, very, I'm appreciative I mean, of your, I didn't know the way else you're to dating put it, it. Like, but yeah, no, that's and that's a true statement. And and I've had so I've had so much time to build my fear of flying to the point of true psychosis of like I would have to be sedated with some kind of horse tranquilizer in order to endure the flight. I think. Oh, well, then we're going to break this habit. We're going to do this, and you're going to do it because it's going to be for podcast integrity. I, you, you're you, you're going to do it for the art form, Matt. Oh you're nothing but an artist. We're going to do this. I, um, all right. <laughs> what else do you have to say about this movie? Oh, I, don't, I, I think, I, yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much covered it. This this movie is, is a classic. I would consider this a, a truly classic film that everyone should see. Um, I feel like the majority of people listening to this I have have probably seen it. I think it's this is one of those movies. I think maybe along with Jurassic Park, that's the only other one I can think of that we've done that I feel like is this ubiquitous. Where like that everyone probably quotes this movie, watches it like once a year. It's like it's just, yeah. It's, but it it truly and and I think that it's one of those that I I think has earned its reputation and truly is a great movie. I think. Just I agree. Totally. I agree. Um, no nuns. Did Ebert? Did Ebert? No nuns. But <laughs> no nuns. Did uh, what did Ebert yeah, think? So, okay, did Ebert? I did yes, and I have Roger's thoughts. What did Roger? So okay, Roger's thoughts. I actually. So Roger, when he initially uh, reviewed the film in 1987, gave it three and a half stars and gave it a very, very right. good review. But uh, in the year 2000, he actually. Included planes, trains, and automobiles, or added it to his great movies uh, series, and gave it a full four stars, and, and included it amongst his great movies oh, wow. series. And I actually I have some of his thoughts, and this is a little bit a little bit more extensive than what I usually do, but I felt like he does a really good job of articulating what I feel like the impact of this movie is. So I'm so it's a little bit more than I usually say, but I'm going to go ahead and share Roger's thoughts on planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay, let's do it. Right. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is founded on the essential natures of its actors. It is perfectly cast and soundly constructed, and all else flows naturally. Steve Martin and John Candy don't play characters. They embody themselves. That's why the comedy, which begins securely planted in the twin genres of the road movie and the buddy picture, is able to reveal so much heart and truth. Some movies are obviously great. Others gradually thrust their greatness upon us. When Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was released in 1987, I enjoyed it immensely, gave it a favorable review, and moved on. But the movie continued to live in my memory. Like certain other popular entertainments, It's a Wonderful Life, E.T., Casablanca, it, is not only it not only contained a universal theme, but also matched it with the right actors and story so that it shrugged off the other movies of its kind and stood above them in a kind of perfection. This is the only movie our family watches as a custom most every Thanksgiving. The buried story engine of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is not slowly growing friendship or odd couple hostility, devices a lesser film might have employed, but empathy. It is about understanding how the other guy feels. Dell, we feel, was born with empathy. He instinctively identifies with Neil's problems. He is genuinely sorry to learn he stole his cab. He is quick to offer help when their flight is diverted to Wichita, Kansas, and there are no hotel rooms available. Neil, on the other hand, depends on his credit cards and self-reliance. He wants to make his own plans, book his own room, rent his own car. He spends the movie trying to peel off from Dell and failing. Dell spends the movie having his feelings hurt and then coming through for Neil anyway. 
One night, a few years after Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was released, I came upon John Candy sitting all by himself in a hotel bar in New York, smoking and drinking, and we talked for a while. We were going to be on the same TV show the next day. He was depressed. People loved him, but he didn't seem to know that, or it wasn't enough. He was a sweet guy, and nobody had a word to say against him, but he was down on himself. All he wanted to do was make people laugh, but sometimes he tried too hard, and he hated himself for doing that in some of his movies. I thought of Dell. There is so much truth in the role that it transforms the whole movie. Hughes knew it and captured it again in Only the Lonely, and Steve Martin knew it and played straight to it. The movies that last, the ones we return to, don't always have lofty themes or Byzantine complexities. Sometimes they last because they are arrows straight to the heart. When Neil unleashes that tirade in the motel room and Dell's face saddens, he says, Oh, I see. It is a moment that not only defines Dell's life, but is a turning point in Neil's, because he also is a lonely soul and too well organized to know it. Strange how much, how much poignancy creeps into this comedy and only becomes stronger while we're laughing. That's it. Amen. It couldn't have been said more eloquently, I think. Um, nope. I think that is exactly the case with this totally movie. It's, it is such a... And like yeah. you said, you can watch it You can watch it for whatever part of it you want um yeah i you yeah, know and yeah i i feel like like i said like this is not one of the movies i truly that i usually like to seek out but this is one of those movies that one of those few movies that can occasionally give me faith in humanity <laughs> like like this movie <laughs> like it it's because it's so truthful and so honest and and about these two very different characters you know bridging their differences and really coming to an understanding with each other. I mean, it's all very, you know, cheesy kind of stuff we've seen before, but when it's done like this and it's done so well, it actually can like be a statement about humanity in a way. Like, and I think this movie actually kind of is that, you know, at the heart of it. So I, I, you know, yeah, I think this, I think it's a great movie and I think everyone should see it. I really do. Agree. Two nuns up, two, or a nun up for me. Two nuns, hey, two nuns up all the way. Two nuns up and, all the and, way. All right. One, well, and one day we'll we'll see some nuns again. I still hold out hope. Uh, eventually they'll come back. All right. So we officially are. That's Thanksgiving. We're yes. going to transition into the month of December with which. Hey, <laughs> the amount that I did not want to do Halloween, I am. Psyched about December, man. We yeah. got some Christmas movies coming up. We've oh, got yeah. some things. I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm excited. How are we going to do this, Matt? Are we going to pick them? Are we going to randomly select? I don't know. I think we should pick one this week. Right. But then, I think you should take all the Christmas movies, put them in a bag, and we'll just randomly, randomly pick. pick like we do the rest. I, well, okay, yeah. That, and you got to include Die Hard in it too because well, it's a Christmas movie. No, that's a good. That's yeah. a good idea. I think for my money, if we're gonna pick one, there are a lot of great Christmas movies, and there are some like legitimately great Christmas movies. There's a couple Christmas movies that are on my my list of all time favorite movies. Period. But if the truth is, if there is one Christmas movie that I would like to talk to you about and really dig into as per this okay. podcast, my number one and only choice will be Jingle All the Way. Okay. That's this is that's the one. That's gotta this be the is one. The Sinbad Sinbad Phil Hartman. Well, 
and well, Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. But yes, it oh, is. Right. It is a Sinbad Phil Hartman reunion of sorts. Although sadly, they do not share scenes, but they are both in the movie. Okay. So yes, this is kind of tangentially related to House Guest, but mostly okay. this is the Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. The Arnold Schwarz, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Christmas, uh, you know, ode to materialism. I guess I should say um, that this movie. And he's got to get. He's got to get a he's robot gotta, or something, gotta, right? A, he's got to get a Turbo Man is what he needs to get, Jeffrey. Oh, right. Sorry. Turbo, oh, my God. I, I, it's been a little bit since I've seen this movie. Oh, so you're in for a fucking <laughs> treat then. This movie is... Okay. This movie is... I, I. The only thing I remember is him going down a road. <laughs> like, that sounds ridiculous. He had to get on a highway to go somewhere. <laughs> the only thing you remember about this movie is him going down a road. I don't even know how to. How, I don't even know how to yes. respond to that. I mean, my my first question would be what what movie statement. what movie doesn't contain a moment that can that is involves people going down a road. My maybe my dinner with Andre is the only movie I can think of that doesn't involve people. Actually, even that one, he's going down the road to his dinner with Andre. I can't even uh. like. Wow. I mean. Just I can't imagine. Statement. I can't imagine a more vague, less like impactful experience this movie was to you. That that is what you took away from it. That I mean, I know at some point he's he's on a, he's going down a road. Like I remember that part, but like the rest of it is just like <laughs> just oh, it's gone. Holy oh, shit! Oh, my stomach hurts. Oh, well, oh, then, yeah. my friend, you, the... your mind, prepare, prepare for your mind to be blown because a lot more happens than that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God is right. Uh, oh. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> oh, man. Jingle all the I'm way. I'm sorry. That hurts. Yeah, it's, uh, there, there's, there, there's a lot to get into with this movie. We'll have a lot to talk about. And specifically, I don't. I don't want to reveal too much, but there is one aspect of this movie that I have been dying to have an excuse to really dive into and dissect. <laughs> in is in my for okay. my whole life, and I'm going. To, okay. I will finally be afforded that opportunity with this podcast, and I'm really looking forward to all it. All right. So this it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. I think. All right, jingle all the ways. The next one we're gonna all do. All right, we'll, we'll we'll dig into it, and then Matt, you're gonna put together some Christmas sure. movies that we can and we'll randomly that yes, we can yeah. randomly select. Um, okay. Like all right. Well, Matt, that was a that was a good one. It was a good one to come um, back with. Welcome back, uh, everyone. We are back. Um, all right. Well, Matt. Yeah. Until next, until time, next time. Take take do, take do it. it. Take I don't. I'm not. Uh, good. Good evening. Do do your good. Do good evening. No, you know what, ladies you and gentlemen. You know what? Why don't you come up with a catchphrase? You come up with the. You come up with the catchphrase because I'm. I got nothing. So I'm gonna put it on you. Okay. That's. You're gonna come right. up with it. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen. Just remember, going down the road, and we'll see you then. See you down the road. <laughs> That's we'll see you down the road. We'll see you down the road.
That's never. And we'll see you down the I road. I feel like that's like a. We'll see you down feel, the Rain Man I road. I feel like that's how they ended every Prairie Home Companion uh, uh, episode. <laughs> I, but uh, yes, Garrison Keeler, right here for you, man. <laughs> All right, we'll see you down um, the road at Lick Wobegon, and and I'll be there. Uh, and I'll be there. I don't know how <laughs> don't he speaks. Either. He's I, got kind I'm of not, a Minnesotan I'm accent. Not familiar All right, with Mr. Garrison Keeler, uh, but uh, okay. I think that's uh, as good a place as any to make this. We'll see. We'll see you down the road. Stop. Okay. Good. Good. Three. Three. Two. Two. two one. one.